we today would be reminded of who we are, of the purpose to which you have called us, to the ministry for which you have ordained us. Lord, help us to be fruitful in the work, in the harvest. Make us a fruitful people. Make us soul winners and make us disciple makers. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they put a lamp, light, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but under a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. You can be seated. I don't take preaching lightly. I think it's a, a serious thing that we can't approach lightly that there's a weight to this. This matters. I believe that I'll be held accountable for everything that I teach. I believe that. That's what Scripture teaches. And so I never take preaching lightly. But there was this morning um, before the service uh, an extra weight. There was an, maybe an extra measure of fear and trembling. And uh, I was contemplating some things that I've seen recently from preachers, young preachers my age. And they were, they were alarming. If you're on social media, you've probably seen them. But statements made by some young preachers that are just, quite frankly, blasphemous. Um, disrespectful of God. Um, the handling of the Word of God done carelessly. I pray that God um, would raise up a generation of preachers who would preach the Word of God as it is with boldness, with love, and with clarity. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19, it makes this statement. It says that there were no smiths in Israel. Because the, the Philistines had gone in and led them out. They'd gone in amongst Israel and led out the smiths, the blacksmiths. And so it says that there were no swords or spears. They had no capability of making swords or spears. The smith is the one who puts the edge on the sword. There's something of a prophetic utterance that I believe happens, should happen every time we stand and declare the word of God. There should be a prophetic utterance. It's God speaking to us, his people. And the smith puts the word, the sword into the fire and pounds out the sharp edge and comes and delivers 
the word of God with a prophetic edge. I pray that God would raise up smiths, that God would raise up preachers who would declare the word of God. Not our opinions, not nonsense, not things that we have read in books. And I'm encouraging, I did this Wednesday night with our, our group on Wednesday night, I, I'm encouraging you to get into the Word of God. Put the books away. Put all of the YouTube videos off. Put all, and I'm not, listen. Some of it's good. Some of it's good. But we, we spend way more time on YouTube and in books. I was, I was visiting with Brother Howard Moore this week, actually, uh, at the hospital, and he was he was talking about how easy it is to access the Word of God. He would hold his phone up, and he said, "What do I do when I sit down? Do I go to the Bible? No, I usually pull up YouTube." He was talking about this, this thing that God's stirring in him, that realizing, I need to get into the word of God more. There are so many preachers out there that are propagating stuff that's not based or rooted in the word of God. They can isolate some scriptures and pull scriptures out and prove points with scriptures, but they're not really preaching the truth of the word of God. And the, the danger for us as people, as the children of God, is that we are not... Uh, uh, sensitive enough spiritually, we're not well acquainted enough with the word of God that we can discern the difference. Most Christians haven't today, sitting in a church pew, haven't read their Bibles. They don't study the word of God on a regular basis. They take what they get on YouTube clips, on Facebook reels, on social media, on television, on uh, Christian television. I'm going to tell you what, there is a ton of dangerous stuff said every single day on Christian television that if you buy into it, it will lead you astray. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5 says that, that, uh, there's, that, that we should be mature enough to be teachers, but we still are in a place where we need people to come and teach us. Y'all familiar with that? It says you should be chewing the, the, the meat of, of, of God's word, but instead you still need a bottle. You need to be bottle fed. You've been a Christian for 40 years, but you don't have teeth to chew the word for yourself. And that chapter ends, in Hebrews chapter 5, it ends saying this, that by reason of use, we should have our senses exercised to discern good and evil. What does that mean? That means by reason of the use of the word of God, we should be able to discern when someone is feeding us a scam when a preacher stands up in a pulpit and declares a message, and we should be able to tell he is preaching error. That does not line up with the word of God, but most Christians don't have a basic enough grasp on the word of God to be able to do that. We need to handle the word of God. It says it's by exercise, handling the word of God, like an athlete, right? I'm on my children, they, they, all three of my boys are basketball players, and I'm, I ask them a question often, did you get your shots up today? Did you get your shots up today? Well, no, I haven't. Well, have you practiced? When's the last time? It's been about three weeks. So should I next, next fall sign you up? Should I go spend hundreds of dollars and sign you up for basketball if you're not really going to practice? Am I going to drive all over the state of Indiana and Kentucky and rent hotel rooms to get you to basketball tournaments and you didn't even practice? I'm challenging my kids with statements like that all the time. Did you get your shots up? Why? When you get your shots up, what happens? Muscle memory, right? 
I want them to get to the place where they've got that stroke, where every time they shoot, the ball goes on the, because of the muscle memory. They've shot a thousand times, right? It's what Larry Bird did. It's why Steph Curry is the way that he is. He can shoot from anywhere in the stadium and make it. You see him make these half-court shots or sideline shots or shots from the bleachers even. And he makes them. You know why he makes them? Because he's practiced them 10,000 times. Right? That's the picture. That's what Hebrews chapter 5 is telling us. By reason of youth, we have our senses exercised to discern good and evil. We have handled the word of God so much that when the counterfeit comes, we recognize it. Right? That's how they train bank tellers, to recognize counterfeit money. They don't show them counterfeit money. They put them in a room full of the real deal and they count until their fingers bleed. And then when they try to pass them the counterfeit, they've handled the real thing so much that when the counterfeit comes, they automatically recognize it. People of God, let me encourage you to get into the word of God, to the place where you cannot be deceived. There is a culture that's trying to be crammed on us. And you know, it, you know it's, I'll tell you where it's coming from. It's coming from Antichrist. It is a spirit of Antichrist. It's what's moving through our culture, and it's trying to be crammed into the church. And here, here's, here's what's at the heart of this. Love is God. That's what the, is at the heart of what's being try, trying to be forced upon us. Love is God. Love is God. It's a deception. How many of you have heard the statements? Love wins. You know what that is? That's a perverted statement. How about the statement, love is love? You know what that is? That is a perverted statement. Where's that coming from? You know that God is identified in, in, as love in the scriptures. We all know that, right? The Bible says love, God is God is love. How many times is God identified as love in Scripture? Three times. Three times in Scripture, God is identified as love. How many times is, is God identified as holy in Scripture? 448. You know what hap has happened to us in the church? We have lost the, the fear of God and the understanding that, that God is a holy God. That he's a cut above. That, that's what that term holy means. He is a cut above. He stands alone. There's none beside him. He, he, the, the, he's this unique being that stands all by himself. We've lost sight of that. And so when we say God is love, there, there, there's no idea, no concept of the holiness of God that's behind that. God is love is 100% absolutely true. But what the culture is trying to cram on us is this, is this perverted idea of love and, and trying to make God fit into the box that they want him to fit into. We, the people of God, are called to live lives that have a contrast. We are set apart. We are no longer of this world. We're in this world, but not of that. We, we have forgotten that in the church. We have absolutely forgotten that fact, right? We are called out. We are called to be separate. And let me say this, that separation is not isolation. 
Separation is about consecration. It's about sanctification. It's about God changing us and making us different, not completely isolating. We're, we're this weird group that doesn't talk to anybody because we're afraid we're going to get polluted. God doesn't isolate us. He insulate us, insulates us. Right? We are cocooned in his presence. We are cocooned in his nature. We are cocooned in Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God, and that, that protects us from being tainted by the world. We fuel on the word of God. We, we read the word of God. We consume the word of God, and it feeds our spirit, and it changes us and transforms us. Right? So separation is, is not about being isolated. It's never been about it being isolated. Right? Because if we're isolated, we can't make a difference in the world. We're in this world for a purpose. God's called us out. He's called us to be a people who are different. All right? So there, there's introduction. Let your light so shine before men that, you may see your, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How do we do that? How do we do that? There needs to be something different about us. Okay? Let me tell you how we don't do that. You know how we don't shine like lights? Raging against the world. Complaining about all of the sinfulness that's around us. Screaming about how vile everything in our culture has begun. Declaring that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. That's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. Let's look at the scriptures. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing. It takes all the fun out of it, doesn't it? Kitty was walking around the foyer this morning telling people to stop gossiping. Ruining everybody's fun. Do everything without complaining and disputing. That you may be blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. It's not screaming about how wicked the world is. It's not complaining about how awful our politics have gotten. You know what we need to do? Instead of griping and complaining about all of that, complaining about the darkness, how about we just flip the switch? Turn on the light. In Spanish, they say it this way, encende la luz. It's simple. Turn on the light. We are here to shine. Amen? We are here to shout from the rooftops that Jesus is Lord, Amen. that he is good, that he is really love. Amen? Yeah. And let, let me just, let me, let me back up. All of this stuff that's being crammed and forced on a generation, let, let me tell you what I believe that we, in this room, I, I think there's, there's a place, a way that we can have a great impact in the generation that's coming behind us. How many of you want to impact your children and your grandchildren? Amen. How many of you want to make a mark on them? Amen. Let, me, let me encourage you to do this. Do what the patriarchs did. 
Lay your hands on them and identify them. My nine-year-old child identifies as this. Take authority over it and identify them the way that God identifies them. Church, we have ceded a lot of territory that is ours. We've given up ground that we should be occupying. There's a generation of, Generation X, my, my generation, that were raised in the church and grew up on MTV. It's a shame. MTV told the good majority of Christian kids my age who they were. I bought it for a while, and my eyes were open to the gospel. Parents, grandparents, we have a responsibility. Listen, there is something powerful about laying hands, and I'm not talking about that way. I'm talking about do it this way so you don't have to do it that way. Right? Lay hands on your children. Pray over your children. Bless your children. Declare the goodness of God over your children. Declare the word of God over your children. Prophesy over your children. Amen? The world's going to call them something. I'm going to tell you what you call them, what God has said about them, and it coming out of your mouth is more powerful than what the world is trying to tag them as. Amen? Listen, God's word, you need to hear this, is just as powerful in your mouth when you say it the way that he meant it. So when you speak what he says over your children and over your grandchildren, I believe this, it's more powerful than what the world says about them. Amen? Amen? Mark them with the words of God. Mark them with the identity that God has given them. That's what we need to do. Right? Come on, go, go home and go to, your, go to your children's home. Get a hold of your grandchildren. And lay, take territory back that has been negated. Amen. Amen? Lay claim to their life. Lay claim to their soul. Spiritually, do this. This is not some futile exercise. This is not some exercise in craziness. This is something that has power. This is something that by the scripture has merit for us to participate in. Amen? This is laid out in scripture, example after example, of men of God laying hands upon their children and the blessing of God coming upon them. Paul laid his hands on Timothy, and, and the presbytery laid hands on Timothy, and the Bible says it stirred the gift that was on him that was put in him by his grandmother and his mother. Amen? Rise up, church. Rise up. I'm trying to remember, remind us today who we are. I'm trying to remind us that we are people who actually walk in authority, and we need to stand to that. We need to take that authority, and we need to begin to allocate that and live that out and, and lay hold on the things of God uh, that he said we can lay hold on. Amen? You need to go home today and say in your household, uh, I don't know what my neighbors are going to do, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. My children are going to follow Jesus. My grandchildren are going to follow Jesus. Amen? Stop complaining about all the filthiness and nastiness. You know what it's a result of? It's a, the result of an apathetic church. It's, an ap it's, a, it's the result of a church that has given the ground to, to Satan. It's the church that allowed Satan to be the primary influence in the home by what we allowed into our homes. 
what we opened up. Do you remember the Syrophoenician woman? And I had no idea I was going to preach this message, but I stood at this altar this morning and said, Lord, whatever you put in my spirit, I'm going to preach today. I'm not going to hold back. Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, have mercy on me. My daughter has an evil spirit. She didn't say, have mercy on my daughter. She said, have mercy on me. I believe those words are telling. I believe that that woman recognized that she had opened something up in her home that allowed that spirit to come to her daughter. Parents, go home and slam the door. Slam the door that will allow every wicked influence. Amen? And listen, you you cannot usurp the, the authority of your children over your grandchildren, but you can pray for your grandchildren. You can cover them when their parents refuse to cover them. You can stand in the gap. You can make a difference. You can sow the seed of the word of God. You can pray over them. You can prophesy over them. And it's powerful when you do it. Amen? All right, Romans 13. How how do we shine? How do we shine? Romans 13, verse 11. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. This was written 2,000 years ago. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. And, And man, let me just preach on that. You know what? All kinds of craziness is going on in this world, and it is dark, but the night is almost over. Our salvation is near. Jesus is coming back soon. Amen. So let's stop acting like we're defeated. we got to realize, hey, we're going we're to end up here in, in a, a victorious procession. That's where we're ending today's message. We need to realize that we have victory. Victory is ours. He causes us to triumph in all things, and we need to stop acting like, like just because it's dark outside, we are defeated. We are the light of the world. Step into the darkness and shine. Amen. The same light that was in Jesus resides on the inside of us. And the Bible said that the darkness could not comprehend it. The darkness could not extinguish it. The darkness could not put it out. The darkness could not overcome it. That same light is living on the inside of you and me. It's time to step on the school campus and in the neighborhood and in your workplace and start shining the light of Jesus Christ. They can fire you, but they can't put it out. They can expel you, but they can't put the light out. They can persecute you, but they can't put it out. They can resist you, but they can't extinguish the light of God. Persecution only makes the light shine brighter. Amen? Arise and shine. Wake up. Wake up. The night's almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes, and put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Look at this. Do not participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Let me ask just a simple question. Are you watching stuff on TV that you wouldn't participate in?
Quiet. Are we bringing, and, and the old time, listen, I'm not going to turn into the old time preacher talking about the hell of vision. The one-eyed monster. How many of you grew up with that? I'm not going to turn into legalists today. But I may be a little bit of an alarmist. I may blow a trumpet because maybe we need to wake up. Maybe we're letting some garbage in our house that's polluting our souls and polluting our spirits and filthying our clothes. And it's time for us to take off these dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of light. Stop listening to that garbage. Stop participating in that garbage. Stop watching it in the movie theaters. Stop listening to it on the radio. Stop reeling it on your social media feeds. Stop letting that stuff pollute your soul. We are of the day, not of the night. Let's read down Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. We were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Check this out. For it is even, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Stop rehearsing it. Stop talking about it. It's shameful to rehearse the evil things of darkness. Stop glorifying it. Stop magnifying it. Encende la luz. Turn on the light. Amen? We've got a message of hope. We've got a message of life. There are hurting and broken and dysfunctional and mentally ill and spiritually ill and broken people all around us. Let's take the medicine to them. And the medicine is the good news about Jesus. The medicine is the gospel of Christ. The medicine is the love of God. The medicine is the power of the Spirit. The medicine is the cross of Jesus Christ, which has broken the curse of sin over humanity. It's broken the grips and the power that it has from holding us as captives and slaves. He has liberated us and set us free. Let's declare the good news of Jesus Christ. It's shameful even to talk about it. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is the light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That's actually a quotation of... of, uh, uh, Isaiah 60, which we're going to read here at the end of the message. Listen, I I believe we're living below the poverty line. We have the riches of Christ and we're living like paupers. Moses had the opportunity to possess everything that the world offered. Raised in the house of Pharaoh, pathway to royalty. The Bible says he refused. He refused to identify with the house of Pharaoh. He forsook it.
We're, we're longing for it. We don't even have access to it. We're doing everything we can to act like we got it. Tens of thousands of dollars of credit card. What is it? What is, what is it that Ramsey says? You got, you, 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 you got bills you can't pay to impress people that you don't even like. I forgot how, how that goes, right? Trying to convince everybody you're rich, right? You and your $300 kicks, we know you're broke. I see people pull up in these $80,000 cars. I think, my goodness. In my mind, I see this weight upon them. They're making $30,000, driving an $80,000 car, living in a $20,000 mobile home. So they can get out in public and impress people. What, what are we striving for? Why, why are we living with the mentality that the things of this world are going to satisfy us? Why are we choosing to identify with the world? Thank you, Kitty. I'm going to take a turn here in the message. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Why are so many Christians bound? Why do we live defeated lives? Why do we wake up in the morning with misery? Overwhelmed by cares and sorrows and going to the party on Friday night, waking up Sunday morning not wanting to go to church, going to work on Monday morning, dragging in. This, these are Christians. Right? It's pretty common. Pretty common in the American church today. Just to be honest. Why, why do we live defeated lives? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I, re, I want to remind us of who we are. Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I, I want to read that verse from the New Living Translation. He says, he, he, made, he has made us his captives. And he continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. And he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Let's read on verse 15 in the New King James. It says, We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and, check this out, among those who are perishing. To one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? I want to read it in the New Living, that 15th and 16th verse, New Living Translation, just because I believe it just paints such a vivid, beautiful picture. It says, but this fragrance is perceived by those, it's talking about the fragrance of Christ, it's on us. It's perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom 
But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. So we don't have to rage against the heathen. I'd love to go and read that. I think it's, I think it's the 42nd Psalm, if I'm not mistaken. Fret not over evildoers. I, go, go read that. I, that may be the wrong psalm. I know it's around there somewhere. Go read that psalm. The fret not over evildoers. Go read that. Why are we fretting over what the world's doing? Why are we fretting because heathens are acting like heathens? Why are we surprised that politicians are corrupt? Why are we surprised by any of the agenda, any of the agendas? Why are we surprised by them that they're being advanced? You know what our response to all of it is? Fret not. You know what our call to do is? Shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if we'll do that, it will be a fragrance that will bring life to those who are being saved and the stench of death to those who refuse the gospel. Christian, that is the call. And if we would accept that simple call, it would free up your life and all of your, your short circuits in your brain over all the things that are going on in the world. The agenda that's being advanced in America today is nothing new. It's happened throughout human history. Baby sacrifice is nothing new. Sexual perversion that is being throttled down our throats, nothing new. You can go back to the Old Testament and read about all of these things. Nothing new. We need, we need to hear this. I need to say this as loudly and clearly. I'm not going to shout. Let's just say it as clearly. We need to grasp this concept. Christian, we are not called to protest. We're not called to rage against the world. Christian, we are called to preach. To clearly articulate the good news about Jesus Christ. To declare the word of God with power and with demonstration. We are called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason that America is in the state that it's in is because Christians have ceased to preach. We have ceded territory to the enemy. When we should be going into neighborhoods preaching the gospel, we've stopped to do it. When we should be going into school board meetings preaching the gospel, we've ceased to do it. When we should be going into our school campuses, we've allowed them to silence us in school campuses. Just stand up and be a Christian. It doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter what's on the books. If you'll just, who says you can't preach? Let them put you in jail. Who says you can't go into work or into, let them fire you and, and, and whatever happens, happens. If they send you to jail, if, if it ends up in court, if it goes before the Supreme Court of the United States, so be it. But make a stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They forbid them in Acts chapter 4 to preach. They forbid them to preach. What did they do? They went and boldly preached. They were threatened. They said, if you do it again, we will beat you. 
They went and prayed a prayer that sounded like this, Lord, you've heard their threatening. Now give us boldness that we can go stand even louder and preach, even bolder and preach, even with more conviction, preach the good news of your gospel. Let us preach the scriptures of the word of God without fear of man. It's better to fear God than it is to fear man. Stop being so intimidated. Stand up, stand out, shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light that we would show forth the praises of God. That's the calling, church. That's what God's called us to. Amen? Where, where are the Samuels? Where are the Samuels? When all of the rest of the priesthood has perverted themselves. When Hophni and Phinehas are leading women into illicit affairs, when they're stealing the offerings that are brought into the house of God, where's the Samuel that will stand, simply stand and minister before the Lord? You know what we as Christians need to do? We need to learn the ministry to the Lord. Right? Get off Facebook, stop posting all of the garbage, and learn to minister before the Lord. That's where all ministry starts. And that's why so many ministries, Christian ministries, are decrepit and lacking power and lacking anointing and lacking authority. It's because there's no time in the presence of the king. There's no time spent ministering to before the Lord. You cannot minister to men before you have ministered to the Lord. We've got to grasp that concept. Samuel stood being girded. The Bible says in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, 2 Samuel chapter 2, I think it is, that he stood before the Lord being girded in a linen ephod and he ministered before the Lord in the midst of of a crooked and perverse generation, when the rest of the priesthood had perverted itself, he stood in the house of the Lord and he shined the light. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, he shined the light. Where's Joseph? Where's Joseph who would refuse to lie with Potiphar's wife? He would refuse to be pulled down into sin. Where's Joseph? Where's Daniel who lived for 60 years in Babylon? and never became a Babylonian. Where's Daniel? He refused to compromise. When the king demanded that he worship, what happened? He refused to worship. When the king demanded that he bow, what did he, he refused to, when he re, told them no more prayer to your God, what did he do? He got down and he opened his window towards Jerusalem and he prayed. Put him in the, 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 uh, the lion's den but that's all right because he was a man of grit, right? He was a man of grit. I like what Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said this about Daniel. He said, it's a good thing that those lions didn't eat old Daniel. They would have choked on him because Daniel was half backbone and the other half grit. We need some Christians with grit with fire, with conviction, that will stand without fear, with boldness, and declare the truth of Scripture and live it out, regardless of how much people mock them and shame them. Where are the Christians who will stand up? Where's the Christian with backbone? Where's the Christian with some grit? Where's the Christian that has a little saltiness? Most Christians need to be trampled into the mud because they are worthless. Rise up and have conviction, have salt, have fire, have conviction of the Holy Ghost. Let the scriptures change and transform our hearts. It's time to stand up. Where's the Esther's? Where's the Esther's? Christian, maybe God's called you today for such a time as this. 
Maybe it's our time. It's time to stand up. I'm done. I'm going to ask my wife to come to the piano. How many of you desire a new boldness? Anybody? All right. I'm going to invite you to the altar. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. It's the anointing that was on Jesus' life. And I believe it's the anointing that should be on our life. I'm going to read that passage of Scripture over you, and I'm going to walk through the altars today, and I'm going to anoint men and women of God for the anointing of Christ. No more doing it without anointing. No more ministry without anointing. No more witnessing without anointing. We need an anointing. Let's stand together. If you want an anointing, I want you to come down to this altar. I'm going to get the oil.